Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to part two of Parenting Pep Talk. And I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads here today, and thank you for uh, setting a good spiritual example for your family by making a priority to be here this morning. We're in a little uh, two-week series here. We started last week where we're going to be talking about parenting, and uh, just invite you and want to remind you that you can always catch that online uh, on the website. You can uh, also watch those sermons in the app, so if you I missed that, and there's going to be some references to some things we talked about last week. I'll be sure to jump online and catch up with us there. Uh, last week, we talked about two areas that parents need to give more attention to when it comes to this area of forming uh, our, our children into who they need to be in Christ Jesus. And the two things we talked about last week were our activities and then also our speech. And today we're going to be talking about several other areas that we need to train in Christ's likeness. And we need to understand that a call to be like Christ, a call to be a follower of Jesus, a call to be a disciple, is a call to be different. It's a call to be set apart from the world. Because a true Christian does not love the world, but loves the things of God more, the Scripture says. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, of course you can always follow along in the app with all the sermon notes and everything there. Or you can just grab that Bible that's right there in front of you or beside you and turn it to page 996. And you'll be right where we need to be this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. <clears throat> and this is what it says. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Let's pause there for a second and just kind of understand what we're reading here. Uh, this is a letter that was written to Timothy. Timothy was, uh, was a, a, a disciple or a, a follower, uh, one that was being developed and being discipled by the Apostle Paul. And uh, Paul was, was kind of commending him here and, and, and was telling him, hey, you, have, you need to continue in what you're learning here. You need to continue to develop. You need to continue to stand firm in your faith, what you firmly believe, and know who you've learned it from in him. But there was also someone else who came before the Apostle Paul in Timothy's life. And it was his family, his family members from before. And it says that how from childhood, Timothy, from even when you were a child, that you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now let's go on there. It says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The most important thing that we can ever know, the most important thing we can ever teach the next generation, the most important thing we can ever pass on to our kids is that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in verse 16, he says, hey, all Scripture, all of the Scripture of the Bible, all of the words of God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Some translations there say that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see this little passage here, these, little, these, these four little verses here are really imploring us to be training in righteousness with the Scriptures, to be correcting with the Scriptures, that it is profitable for teaching with the Scriptures, that all of these 
things revolve around the Holy Scriptures and getting the Word of God into people's lives. And in the context we're talking about it today, especially into the lives of the next generation. That they may be complete. That they may be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God prepares for them to do. Now you know as well as I do, if we try to do this, and we do this the way God wants us to do this, then there are going to be some times of discipline. There are going to be some times of discipline. There will be some times of correction. There are going to be times and seasons of reproof. And the whole context of it all is that we're going to be training. You know, we hear that word discipline sometimes, and it's for, for some of us, that, that's just not really a good term. We just don't like it. It makes us bristle up a little bit. It makes, makes it sound like we're in trouble. But not all discipline is, is correcting when you're in trouble. Sometimes discipline is just teaching you, you to do something the right way. I want you to look at what these scriptures here talk about discipline in the life of a believer. Um, beginning with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says this, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. You ever been there? You ever been through a, a time when the discipline seemed painful rather than pleasant? But look what it says, But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Isn't that what we want in our lives? Isn't that what we want in the lives of our kids? This peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Have been trained by the discipline. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 22.6, we talked about this last week. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You know, this is one of those things that we need to understand that as parents and as grandparents even sometimes, as aunts and uncles and those that are raising the next generation of Christ followers, there are going to be times where we need to discipline them and show them the ways of Christ. And we need to embrace that. We need to make that one of the main things that we do as parents. is to make sure that we are, we are giving our kids every opportunity to learn the ways of Jesus and to learn the ways that the Bible says we're to live. Well, like I mentioned earlier, last week we talked about two areas in parenting that we need to give attention to, and that was the area of activities and speech. Today we're going to continue in that and talk about another area, and the next area we're going to talk about is the area of possessions. The area of possessions. A Christian child will not own what other children own, and will not own what other children own when they own it. I know, that's, that's one of those sentences that you read it and you're like, that's kind of awkward, let's let it soak in again. A Christian child will not own what other children own and will not own what other children own when they own it. Now, if you're like me and I see a statement like that, I always think, why? You know, I have to know why. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you this morning, because I think we are called, as God's people, to be a people of delayed gratification. We await something better. We talked last week about not being of this world. We talked about that we are sojourners, that we are aliens, and we, we are just passing through. 
Let me explain more in this area of possessions though, specifically, that sometimes I think we give our kids too much too early. Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes we just give our kids way too much too early. I've got a funny story about this. Uh, I I don't look at Facebook much, but sometimes I'm very entertained by Facebook, so I need a good laugh. I'll I'll get on Facebook and watch other people's lives. And I remember uh, there was uh, parents that had gotten there. It was a seven or eight year old girl. I can't remember her age exactly. It was seven or eight years old. um, An iPhone for uh, Christmas last year. Now, I don't know how much it was. You know, I don't know if it was used or new, so I'm not going to you know, pass judgment on any of that. But the funniest thing was, that was the post on December 25th, was that so-and-so got an iPhone. And then there was another post on December 27th, 48 hours later, and it showed a picture of the iPhone in the toilet. <laughs> And what had happened is the child had, you know, been, been with the iPhone and, 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 you know, had brought it into the bathroom. And because they'd been given too much too early and kind of need some more guidelines that we don't really take it into the bathroom with us or that we, you know, we need to be really careful. You can't drop in water that, that, that device and however much those parents uh, had spent on it. I mean, they were horrified with it, you know, b- asking people, how do you, you know, dry out an iPhone? All these things was actually in the toilet. You know, that is probably one of the most devastating things I would think about technology today as we're bringing it and bringing up this next generation as we're putting these devices in their hands is they don't just use it. They attach to it. Have you ever felt that? I know a lot of times that happens at dinner when they're over at grandpa and grandma's. Grandpa and grandma are fixing dinner and they want to have conversation. And instead we have our device out. And when we're on the couch, we have the device out. And when we or in the car, we have the device out, and everywhere you go, and they don't just use these electronic devices that we're putting in their hands, they actually attach themselves to them. I'm wondering if you ever uh, saw the movie uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm not, I'm not talking about the new one that came out a few years ago that's really, really weird. <laughs> I'm talking about the original, you know. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory had a character on there. Her name was Veruca. Do you remember Veruca? Veruca was the one that was going around all the time, and, and I think it was a British accent or saying, Daddy, Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want it now. Do you remember her? And he was always like, oh, darling, you know, we'll, we'll get you an Oompa Loompa later. No, I want it now. And I think in the, in the, uh, the movies, she actually sang a song about this. And, you know, I think that's so true today. I don't think it looks much different you know, maybe it looks a little different that they're not you know, wanting what they want right now, but they, they do that through not uh, verbalizing that to the parents and asking for it, but they do it through maybe throwing a fit when you're at the store. Maybe screaming when they're waiting at the restaurant. Maybe throwing a temper tantrum in the home. But I think that kids are really struggling today with their ability to learn how to wait. Because we have this tendency to give them everything they want right now. You know, in te- television nowadays, it has this thing called on-demand. I think sometimes that's the new tempo of the home. Is that our kids are on-demand kids, and they want what they want, and they want it now. And as parents, we are handing them the means to impatience sometimes through these electronic devices. We kind of touched on this in the American Idol series. We talked about an idol called Now. What I'm concerned about is when we raise children who do not know how to wait, we stand very little chance of being able to help them be disciples of Jesus who learn how to wait upon the Lord. 
who learn how to be patient with other Christians in their time of suffering or in their time of sinfulness. We look at this today as oh, it's a basic skill. And it is a basic skill of being a follower of Christ. We should look for ways to teach our children delayed gratification and teach them the ability to wait. Now, we may again, adults and parents, need to consider how we ourselves need to learn delayed gratification. If you know what I mean. I heard that uh, Amazon is now using drones in some of the largest cities in America to give you same-day delivery service on whatever you order online. Literally now, you can get on Amazon, you can select an item, and if you're in the right place, they'll have it at your doorstep within 90 minutes. See, sometimes I think we don't have delayed gratification ourselves. Now, if you know, that was something like Girl Scout cookies you know, or Boy Scout popcorn. I'm thinking, I might like that service, you know, 90 minutes to Girl Scout cookies. But, you know, seriously, it's, it's this on-demand, it's this instant everything. We're demanding everything now. We're not choosing to wait on the Lord. And that's why I say that, that a Christian child will not own what other children own when they own it. I want to encourage you as parents not to give your kids everything quite so early. Sometimes our kids, because their brains are not fully developed, literally cannot handle what we're putting in their hands. And we need to teach our kids the difference between a no and a not now. At the grocery store when they want that particular item, before you buy it, maybe it's that shirt that they want, it's that new phone case, it's the fidget whatever, it's that pair of shoes. Make them wait and think, even if you're just teaching them a lesson. You know, sometimes our kids... They just don't need to own what other kids own. They come home and they're talking about this new video game and everybody has it, mom and dad. Everybody has it. And we look at this video game and we see the violence in it. You know, everybody is getting this, these gaming computers. You know, I need a gaming computer. Uh, some of us, it's scantily clad clothing. It's, it's putting our 8-year-olds in clothes that makes them look like a 20-year-old. But a Christian child will not own what other children own and will not own what other children own when they own it. Possessions. Another area that we need to address with our children as we're training them to be disciples and followers of Christ is the, the area of entertainment. A Christian child will not watch, read, or listen to what other children watch, read, and listen to. A Christian child will view entertainment differently than other children. Again, this goes back to parents being parents, that we're called by God to be in charge of our homes, that we are the primary decision makers for our kids until they are under our care and under our roof no more. And we talked about this last week, that so many times we, we put the decisions in the hands of the children. <clears throat> they decide where we eat. They decide when they go to bed. They decide what we're going to buy at the grocery store and, and what they're going to wear. They make all of those decisions completely on their own. And yet God has not called them to be the decision makers in the home. He's called the parents to do that. Now, if you're waiting for me uh, or, or the church to put out an official list of shows or movies or media music that's okay or, or to come up with our own do not watch list, you're going to be waiting for quite some time. That's not really what this is about. I would encourage you to let Scripture be your guide. Verses like this, Philippians 4.8. Whatever, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, then think, literally meaning there to dwell, dwell upon those things. Let that be the guide for your entertainment. And what you allow your kids to watch, to read, to listen to. Psalm 101, verses 3 and 4 says it this way, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. It says don't even open the door to it. Don't even associate with it. I'm not even going to watch it. I'm not going to consume it. And I'm not going to allow my children to do that as well. I think those are some good guidelines when we're raising Christian children to be different and to be set apart from the world. And don't miss this, parents. Oftentimes, I think that we are trading, training for entertaining sometimes with our kids. We won't actually train them. We actually just put a device in their hands. If you're waiting at a table uh, for a table at a restaurant and, and your child gets impatient, I see so many parents to, that do this nowadays. As soon as they get impatient, I mean, just for like five seconds, we hand them a device. We're not training, we are entertaining. Now, I'm not saying that it's not okay to do that sometimes, that sometimes I, I understand you're in a situation where you might need to do that. But if it's every time, every time your kid begins to act up, all you're training them to do is to act out, to be naughty, or to whine, and to be impatient, and they get the reward of a device in their hand where they can play games, and they can do what? They can entertain themselves. Now, I'm not saying that, that you can't ever do that, but I'm saying if that's your go-to, every time, that any time your child, no matter what the situation is, no matter where the location is, that you hand them a device, if that characterizes your situation to medicate the waiting with entertaining instead of training, you might end up raising a child who, anytime they're faced with waiting, they find a way to medicate it. And you and I both know that the medicating gets scarier as they get older, doesn't it? You see, Christian children have got to view media and entertainment different than other children. And we as parents have to lead the way and give them the guidelines. Another area of life that, that we need to consider in our parenting is the area of relationships. You see, a Christian child will not invest in the same kind of relationships that other children do. They will choose their friends wisely. You see, we need to keep, teach kids from a very young age to recognize traits of other people. Like, how about the trait? that we recognize called character. Teach them to flee from the drama and the disorder and the chaos that's so prevalent in our time and in our culture today. The best way to train is to start in your home. Now, if, if we're all being you know, absolutely honest and real here, we know that there's going to be some drama in our homes from time to time. I, I live in a house, I have three girls. There are a lot of feelings in my house. Lots of feelings with three girls in my house. And even a little bit of drama. Now, I, I have to take this moment and brag on my kids because I am super blessed. I got three daughters that are, that are really awesome. And, and they're really, really good. And so the drama probably in my home compared to some other homes is probably really minimal. But it seems like if we can start doing those things in the house, 
that, that those can carry over into school, can carry over into life. And so it's important that we start training in the home on how to flee from drama, disorder, and chaos. Now, I know that some of you have boys, and I know some families in the church have all boys, and you know, someone made the comment one time, well, boys, they just don't really have drama. And actually, boys do have drama. It just looks a little different. With girls, it's a lot of words. And with boys, it looks like WWE or you know, UFC. You know, there's some throwing down there. But we need to teach our kids to not escalate and be so emotional in their reactions when things don't go their way. We need to teach them how to talk to one another and how to relate to each other. And we need to, we need to teach them to choose their friends wisely. Choose their friends wisely. Because here's the truth. If you show me your child's friends and who they're hanging out with, I can show you their future. Because friends have influence, have influence in our lives. And helping a child when they're little in these relationships and training them in the way they should go are of vital importance for the rest of their life. Why? You may ask why. Because their friends will determine the quality and direction of their life. They have influence. If you think about it, when you have a relationship with another person and you invite them to actually be close to you and to be a friend, you are inviting their influence into your life. And when you're inviting their influence into your life, then you need to make sure that you are having your children make friends with people who are God-honoring. They need to make friends with people of character. People that are always in, involved in drama, that are always you know, uh, 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 struggling in their relationships and their, you know, how they communicate is dysfunctional. Uh, um, we really have to intervene here. We really have to do some training here. Because it will affect the quality and the direction of your child's life, especially the longer these relationships goes on. And so we must choose wisely. And we need to teach our kids to choose wisely. Choose relationships in your life that honor God first and foremost. Choose relationships and friendships that not only honor God, but that will serve you well and help your relationship with Jesus Christ down the road. I remember a good test that I used, uh, especially as I got into my teenage years, was is this friendship pointing me toward Christ or pointing me into some other direction? Is having a friendship with this person going to actually enhance my relationship with Jesus and encourage me to walk in faith and encourage me to, to train in righteousness, encourage me the right direction? Or is this relationship actually taking me a place that I know I don't want to go? Or a place that I know I don't want to end up? There's many of you here this morning that I think, you know, you you probably aged out of parenting. You're in the grandparenting phase now. I wonder how many of you could share stories and maybe even stories of regret because you didn't intervene and steer your kids toward the right friends. And they got to hanging out with some people with some values and some mores that were going a, a direction that was opposite of the direction God wanted to go in their life. And you get down the road, what, 5, 10, 15 years, and you look back, you say, why are they making the decisions that they're making now? And so many times you look back, you said, you know what? There was a lot of friends that had a lot of influence in their life that took it a direction that I don't think God wanted them to go. But in all of this, if you think about all the areas we've talked about last week, and we talked about this week, in all of this, here's the bottom line. The only way to raise a Christian child is to be a Christian parent. It's the only way to do it. 
our reference point is to be different than what is normal in the world. Sometimes, as parents, I think we get so caught up in worrying about the world and what the world's going to say to us or what the world's going to say about us that we, we think about this and with our, with our parenting, we forget what really, really matters. There was a story of a mother who was struggling about a decision. And the decision was whether she would let her daughter go over to someone's house that she didn't know really well. It was one of those situations where it's a slumber party. She's going to spend the night. I don't know this family well. I don't know their values. I mean, I know them through school a little bit. We know each other's name. We know our kids are together. We know their acquaintances at school. They're not really friends, but they're going to go over there. And then the mom got a wind. When she called the other mother, she said, you know, what are you going to be doing at this party? And, and she goes, we're going to do this. We're going to play these games. And everything sounded good. She goes, and then you know, before they go to bed, we're going to let them watch this movie. We're going to let them watch this movie, and it's PG-13. I know our girls are only nine, but, you know, we're going to let them watch this movie, and, and, you know, and, and immediately the sirens go off in the mother's head about, this is not something that I want to send my kid to. This is not going to be good for them. But she was really struggling because she didn't want that mother to think she was weird. She didn't want that mother to think, well, that was unloving. She didn't want that mother to, to think, man, you know, I can't believe she wouldn't let her kid come to my kid's birthday party. I mean, this movie, it's not that bad. I mean, I've seen it, you've seen it, you know, and we'll fast forward the parts that are bad in it. And, you know, I remember she was really struggling and she did something really wise. She called a, a, a Christian friend from her church. Someone who had a little bit older kids had been walked the road ahead of her a few years. <clears throat> when she called that lady, that lady gave her a great a great, great piece of advice. As she sat there and she told her the story, she told her the struggle, I don't know if I should let her go to this party or if I shouldn't let her go to this party. This is what the Christian friend answered her. She said, you know, I believe that I will stand before God someday and I'll give an account for the way I raised these children. And so to me, I don't really care what another mother thinks of me. I care more about what God thinks of me. I think that's great advice you see the christian family is not concerned with fearing what other people might think they're concerned with the fear of the lord christian parents trade the fear of man for the life giving fear of god and we need to understand that the most hopeful thing we can do is to lift our eyes to the lord and to train our families and our children in the ways of the lord because the fact is, He's coming soon. And when He comes, my prayer is that He would find the family of God, the church, and your family, and my family, desperately placing our hope and our trust in Him, but also yearning to love Him and to show Him that by following Him. These five areas, activities, speech, possessions, entertainment, and relationships. This really comes down to a lordship issue. We need to bring these areas of life, these areas of training in our families with our children under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, we're not only going to be honoring God, but we are going to give our kids the best future and the best direction and, and probably the most hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus someday. Because I want to end today with where I began. With the Scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus.